Turn with us to John chapter 8. John chapter 8. We began a few weeks ago on a series we're calling Becoming a Disciple of Jesus. Becoming a Disciple of Jesus. In John 8.31 it says, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Thank you, Lord. A lot of times we've quoted that 32nd verse apart from the rest of it, and it's certainly true. But can you see it goes with this, this word about being a disciple. Who's going to, and actually other translations bring out this, instead of you'll know the truth, you'll experience the truth. Who's going to experience the truth and be made free? Disciples. Disciples, those who continue in his word and become his disciples truly. Now, who's he talking to again? Back up verse 31. He said to who? Those that believed on him. So they are believers at this point. But is it so that they're believers, but they're not yet disciples? Is that so? Keep reading. They believed on him, and he said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. So obviously, you're not automatically a disciple because you believe on Jesus. Now, if that sounds new to you, don't throw it away. Don't just take my word for it. Get in the scriptures. Search it out. Becoming a disciple of Jesus is what we're talking about. And one thing we need to realize that just because you, uh, you know, come to the altar and get saved, just because you join a church and sit on the seat, doesn't make you his disciple. You could be a believer, but not a disciple. A disciple is one who has made a greater commitment to follow him. If you look up the word disciple, it means a learner. It also means a follower, a learner and a follower. And Luke uh, 6 brings out the purpose of the discipleship. Luke 6 and verse 40 says, The disciple is not above his master. If you're a disciple, you're a disciple to a master. We have all kind of... uh, Examples of this in our culture, particularly in Eastern culture. You don't see it as much in Western culture. I brought it up earlier, but it was like uh, like the old show uh, Kung Fu. You know, there was the blind master and then the young grasshopper. Uh, in Star Wars, you know, what is the Jedi Knights? They've got their Padawans, their they're trainers that are with them. And they have left their homes. They have left their whatever they were going to pursue in life. And they have given themselves to learn the Jedi way, whatever that is. Well, that's fiction. 
This is reality. There is a true master. He's not just a master. He's the master. And Jesus said this. He said, uh, you know, in talking about being a disciple, oh, back in the 70s, there was a resurging of uh, teaching on discipleship. And there was a whole lot of people that got very interested in it. And then also a lot of people that got hurt and confused over it. And the problem was not just in the discipleship concept. It was in disciples, excuse me, men making disciples to themselves. I'm going to disciple you. You're my disciple. Somebody said, what's wrong with that? Everything. We're not taught that in the New Testament. Prior to Jesus coming, you see people talking about that they were Moses' disciple. John had disciples. After Jesus coming, read the book of Acts carefully. Read the epistles carefully. You see the word disciples used a lot, scores and scores of times. Never does it refer to Peter's disciple or John's disciple. It always refers to disciples of the Lord. And Jesus warned us about this. He said, don't let anybody call you father. Don't let anybody call you master. That's why we avoid titles around here. Someone says, well, can we help each other in discipleship? Yes, Paul said, follow me as I follow him. We can help you to follow him and be his disciple, but you're not to be my disciple or anybody's disciple, but his Are you with me on this now? His disciple. There's just one master. Just one. All of us are brothers. That's what Jesus said. Just one master. He's the master. In Luke 6, 40, it says, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. You know, in Western modern vernacular in society, most every time somebody hears the word perfect, they think unattainable. You hear the word perfect, people say, well, nobody's perfect. And somebody else will say, sad but true. (laughs) No, no, this word perfect means complete. And it has to do with your training being complete. Read it again. The disciple is not above his master. Now, a lot of people think that's totally unnecessary to say. If a lot of theologians or preachers would have been writing that, they would have never put that in. In fact, they would have never put this whole verse in. Because they would think the first one was unnecessary and the second one wasn't even so. To say the servant's not above his master, you got to say that about you. You need to say it. Yes, you do. He obviously thought it was necessary. And he's the master, remember? He knows. How could that be? It's true on all levels. Think about this. There are any number of believers wanting to have what Jesus had and wanting to do some things that he did, but not willing to live like he lived. They want to have the miracles. They want to 
walk in the fellowship with the Father like he did. They want to know that, but they're unwilling to pray like he did. They're unwilling to keep their flesh under like he did. They're unwilling to submit completely like he did. Well, the servant's not above his master. If Jesus needed to pray, sometimes all night long, you going to achieve the same results without doing that? If Jesus had to keep his flesh under If he had to submit, I mean, there were times, remember the garden? He sweat blood. He said, Lord, you know, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Was that easy? No. No. If he had to do that, can we get the same results without doing what he did? No. The servant is not above his master. They persecuted him, and he didn't change. He said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they hated me, they'll hate you. The servant's not above his master. There's many sides to that. But then those who have been perfected, those who have been fully trained, those who have been fully developed will be, glory to God, just like him as the master. Is that possible? So many wouldn't even dare believe it. Is it possible that you can change, you can develop until you think like Jesus, you talk like him, you have a prayer life like him, you walk in, you have faith like him, glory to God. You have anointing on you and you yield to the spirit and you see things happen like him. Is it possible? Will it happen automatically because you came down and got born again? No, sir. Uh-uh. Or because you come sit on the seat once in a while in church? No. Mm-mm. No, you got to get serious. I said you got to get serious. Like what we've been talking about, the two examples, 1 Corinthians 9 and over in Timothy, he talks about living for the Lord is like the athlete, like the Olympic athlete who runs the great race and keeps his body under and adheres to strict discipline. Is walking with the Lord like training, like an Olympic athlete? He said, you should endure hardness like a good soldier, like a highly trained special forces uh, soldier. How does that work in with us being disciples? The principles are exactly the same. Go to Luke 14. 14 and 16. Then said he to them, Who's talking here? The master. A certain man made a great supper and bade many. What does it mean, bade many? Invited. How many? Not just two or three. Invited. How am I saying this? Remember Jesus also said, many are called. And what? Few are chosen. What does that mean? Many have the opportunity. Many are invited. It's available to many. Few take him up. Few make the commitment. And you see, he describes exactly why so many don't. A lot of the people he invited did not come. You've read this, right? Why didn't they come? That's right. They had other things to do. Keep reading here. He sent his servant at supper time and to say to them that were bidden or those that were invited, Come, 
For all things are now ready. How many remember again with the twelve disciples? Again and again Jesus went by people and he said, you, follow me. And they left their fishing stuff and followed him. You, follow me. And they left their tax collecting and followed him. Now how many understand, when they got up and left, they didn't just leave and put a sign that says, be back in two hours. No. <laughs> no, I mean, this is life changing. This is, we don't have the same routine or schedule anymore. Why? Because now I have become disciple to the master. And my whole life is about this. There's nothing else. You know, I've had people even that had been in our ministry. And, you know, we've taught about this. And I didn't write these verses. You know, but I've had people say, I know, you know, that's what you see. But, you know, my family comes first. And people say, well, you know, our our life revolves around our kids. And they say it with a big smile, like that makes them parent of the year. (laughs) It means you cannot be his disciple. That's what it means. And you're setting a bad example for your kids. You're training them to do the same thing, which means they can't be his disciples either. If anything or anybody is the most important thing in your life, he's not. Said, uh, he invited him and said, come, everything's ready, come. When the master says, come, what should you do? When? (laughs) The master says, come, come. And uh, they all, with one consent, all of them, begin to do what? Make excuse. Which means they didn't come. But they want to give a good reason why they didn't come. When the master says come, is there a good enough reason why you don't come? Come. And they all begin to make excuses. The first one said, you know, I have just bought some ground. And I must. I've got to. Go and see it. I pray you, have me excused. I'm sure you'll understand. Did he understand? Verse 19. Another one said, I have bought two yoke of oxen. I've just got some new equipment for my business. And I got to make sure it's set up right. And you know, you got to take care of your business. There's no business, no money. You got to take care of your business. You got to take care of your family. So I can't come. I pray you have me excused. Did the Lord understand? No. Another one said, I've married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. I'm sure you understand. I can't come. And the Lord said, oh, I know, I know. Just come when you can. Hmm? Yeah, you got to take care of your business. Yeah, you got to take care of your land. Yeah, you got to take care of your family. Just take care of all that at first. And then when you get time, if you get time. Come and uh, and help us. 
What does that mean? That means none of these people are his disciples. Right? I know I said this, but it'll bear repetition. This was some years ago. A man who was also in business had told us in the ministry, we'd been believing for some specific things. And he said, man, I'm going to help y'all with that. The Lord's put it on my heart. And it was supernatural. We could tell that it was. And he did for a little bit. And then it became inconvenient for him. And he said, you know, I'm sorry, but I got all this going on. And I've got to take care of this right now. And I just can't do it. And I said, that's okay. You know, I I certainly wasn't going to say anything to him about it. I said, fine, fine. Uh, Don't worry about it. And he left. And as he was leaving, the Lord spoke to me. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. He said, now, just because you told him it was okay doesn't mean I said it was okay. I thought, hmm. So should I call him? Lord, he said, no, no, you don't say a word. That's between me and him. But I just want you to know, just because you said it was okay for him not to do it doesn't mean I said it was okay for him not to. Just because men let you off the hook on something doesn't mean the Lord did. Not a one of these did he say, I understand. Keep reading. Verse 21, the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house was what? The master got what? Angry. Angry. He was angry. He said, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. Now, why did he say that? Well, maybe their schedules are free. He went out to the homeless people. He went out to people that didn't have much going on, didn't have anything. And he said, come, you're invited. And they didn't have to say, well, I'll have to check my schedule. I have to check, I didn't have anything to check. They just came. You know who the Lord uses? People that's available. You know who he blesses? People that's available. People that'll come. People that'll show up. People that'll do it. I know it sounds simple, but we got millions of Christians that won't show up. He said, go Compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you, none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. Wow. Keep reading. There went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said to them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Matthew brings it out like this, says, if you love mother, father, sister, brother more than me, you can't be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, sits not down first and counts the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it? Skip down to verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Do you want to be his disciple? Are you sure? Is it going to cost you? How much? Everything. Everything. Is it worth it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Go with me to Philippians, please. The third chapter. Why would one become a disciple of his? A disciple is a learner. A disciple is a follower. And like we said in Luke 6.40, what is the objective of the disciple? To become like 
the master. Now you can have your life like you want it. Or you can have a life like his. Like he lived. Did it cost him to live like he did? Yeah. Was it worth it? Oh, yeah. And here's the thing. Jesus said, if you love your life in this world, what's going to happen? You're going to lose it. So even if you say, no, I'm not going to try to be a disciple. I just want to live my life. You're still not going to keep it. You're going to lose it anyway. So a wise person would just go, here, (laughs) here you go, because I'm not going to be able to keep it anyway. It's kind of like the tithe. (laughs) If you study the scripture, you'll see that the tithe, if you honor the Lord with the tithe, there's a blessing and protection. If you don't, if you keep it, there's a curse. If you hold on to what's his, what should have been rendered into his hand, it becomes a curse to you. And so people say, well, how am I going to get by on 90%? I can't make it on 100%. Well, listen to me now. 90% blessed is so much better than 100% cursed. If you don't tithe, the thing is, you're not going to keep it anyway. You're going to lose it. In busted transmissions and wrecks and termites in your house. Come on now. All stuff that you could have been protected from and spared from as a tither, you're going to lose that tithe plus. So wise people would do what? Here, Lord. Here. Gladly. Willingly. Knowing that if the blessing's on the rest of what I've got, I'll be in far better shape than holding on to that 10%. But it takes faith, doesn't it? And that's where a lot of folk come up short. And so your plans, your aspirations, your dreams, your life that you have planned and you want to live. If you say, I can't serve God fully, I can't do all that, I'm on a course you know for my success and my profession and I got plans for my family and and I got this if you forsake his perfect will to pursue that you're going to lose it anyway I said you're going to lose it anyway and as the years have gone by I have learned just don't make a bunch of big plans on your own (laughs) you just got to die to them anyway if you're going to follow him And instead of coming out with all these great plans and trying to get the Lord to bless them and trying to get the Lord to help you to do them, make them come to pass, don't do that. Come to him and ask him, what is the plan? Well, I already know what the plan is. I got to, no, you don't. You know your plan. And it's going to take faith to follow his And there'll take times when you'll have to turn loose of everything you know and everything that makes you feel comfortable and feel like who you are. It takes faith. But if he's your master, I said, if he's your master and he says, go, you go. If he says, turn it loose, you turn it loose. If he says, stay and you want to go, 
He's the master. So you stay. Somebody say, he's my master. I do what he says. Hallelujah. Thank you. I believe God's raising up disciples, a church full of disciples in this place. Do you think so? Disciples, people that are willing to lay it aside and follow him all the way. Philippians 3, did you find it? Philippians 3, verse 7. What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. (laughs) Does he sound like he feels deprived? No. He said everything I lost, and I lost it all. Is just like garbage to me. Compared to knowing the Lord. And becoming like him. It's nothing. Paul. Or Saul as he was known then. Was the Pharisees golden boy. He was their up and coming rising star. Oh man. He was bright. He was sharp. He could quote the law. He could quote all the man-made rules. And then he went and got saved. (laughs) Messed everything up. Oh, man, they were going to give him a seat on the board and a big house and a nice chariot and nice clothes. He was going to be the man. I mean, when the Pharisees put somebody up to speak for them, it was going to be him. And now he lost it all. And he's running for his life, being led over the wall in a basket, riding ships in storms in shackles. If you asked him, was it worth it, Paul? Hmm? He's telling you right here. You don't hear him saying, I left it all for Jesus. Oh, it's hard. It's hard. But I'll give it up for you, Jesus. No, if that's how you feel, you don't qualify. According to Jesus, you're not worthy to be his disciple if that's the way you feel and think about it. I don't think this has been taught enough to you. (laughs) Think about what, what did Jesus say? If you put your hand to the plow, what does that mean? To do what? To follow him. Work for him. Be his disciple. If you put your hand to the plow and look back, what did he say? He said, you're not worthy. You're not worthy to be his disciple. Why would you be looking back? Oh, I could be at home eating mama's biscuits. I could have it made on easy street. I could have retired by now. I could. You're not worthy. To be a disciple. You're acting like. Anything you left. Is of equal value. Or more value. Than what you're pursuing in him. And it is not worthy. The Bible said. It's not worthy. To be compared. 
Is the Bible true? It's not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed. Paul is thinking right, isn't he? Is he a disciple of the Lord? Did he follow him fully? He said, I lost it all, but I want you to know I consider it nothing, nothing, garbage, junk compared to the excellency of knowing him. And he said, this is what I'm after. Come on, let him talk to us some more. So he said, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him. Said out loud that I may know him. Now what happens the more you know him? You become like him. There's a spiritual law. 1 Corinthians 3 talks about it. You become what you behold. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect. Doesn't that sound like our scripture in Luke 6, 40? Yes, sir. Everyone that is perfect shall be as the master. He said, I don't say I've already arrived at my full development, my full training, but I follow after. If that I may apprehend that which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I'm not saying I'm all the way there, but this one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before ahead of me. Is he looking back longingly? Is he caught up over his failures and mistakes? Is he longing over what he turned loose? or No, no. Forgetting everything that's behind and reaching, reaching. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the mark? What is the prize? It's in Christ Jesus. It's Him. I said it's Him. What's He shooting for? What's he, He's already told us two or three times that I may know Him. That I may see Him. That I may be like Him. Glory. Would that make you get up every morning and train like an Olympic athlete? Not so you could win a medal with your body, but so in your life you could attain unto this prize. Would it cause you to have the mentality of a soldier instead of being a little whiny baby and can't do anything and every little thing knocks you out of serving God? Man, you endure hardness, whatever it takes, like a good soldier. You'll get up early. You'll stay up late. You'll spend it all. You'll come through the heat. You'll come through the cold to do the work of God. Because wherever the master is, that's where his disciples going to be. Right there. Serving him. Watching him. Learning from him. Becoming like him. Is that you? Are we talking about you? Yes. Yes. Go to two openings, please. Romans 8 and 1 John 3. I think this is exciting. One reason I'm excited about it is because this is not just all milk. 
it excites me that the Lord would release us to talk about these things, teach about these things. Must mean that uh, we're ready for some of them. We can hear it. We can take it. We can do it. He told us he's growing us up quickly, didn't he? Yes, sir. Glory. See, there's so many churches that are full of believers and unbelievers. And maybe three disciples. <laughs> and they do all the work. You got the same three, four, five, nine people volunteer for everything. Why? Because they don't have something more important going on. And it's not because they don't have stuff going on. It's because they don't have anything more important going on. You make time for what's important to you. Don't you? I thank God that we're not that way. We could be a lot better. But man, we've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people on teams. Of course, when you've got thousands of people, it needs to be more. But you need to be serving God. Somebody says, well, I don't have to serve on every team. You sure don't. But where are you serving for the kingdom of God? What are you doing? This life is going to be over right away. And there's going to be no reward for how you climb the corporate ladder. Or how much money you saved. How early you made retirement. No rewards. Zero for any of that. There's only going to be reward for what you did for the kingdom. Which translates to what you're doing for other people. Particularly the people of God. So it comes down with what's important in your schedule. And when the things of God come up, other things take a back seat. Hmm? And if it costs you, it costs you. Because in the long run, it's going to pay. I don't know if the times fill us now. The Lord's helped us to do this again and again and again. There, more than once, we've left everything. Left everything we built over the years. All the stuff that we accumulated and bought and paid for. and got, We left it. Walked away from it. it. Was it always easy? Oh, no. Especially the first time. Oh, man. Phew. Leaving Mama and them. And I left my hot rod and my motorcycle and my dog. He rode in the back of my truck. He caught my Frisbee. I mean, if you love your dog more than you do the Lord, you can't be his disciple. If you love your hot rod, if you love any stuff, thank God we left that little stuff. Looking back now, but at the time it seemed big. At the time it seemed big. And then, you know, we built some stuff for several years in the ministry. But the Lord says, walk away from it. Leave it. Go to Branson. Where? If you're wanting to have a big church, but that was the furthest thing from my mind. I didn't think I would be a pastor. But if you want to have a big church, you don't necessarily want to go to a town of 6,000. <laughs> and we had things set up. And, you know, I found out they didn't even have a big enough airport here to do what I'm doing and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, you got to be willing to give it up. I know I'd believed God for our hangar. Oh, man, I was so thankful for that hangar. Had a little office upstairs. I could study and pray and look at my airplane at the same time. Glory <laughs> to God. I'm... And I thought, I got to sell that. Ugh. I kind of tentatively put a sign up. Boom, it sold just like that. I thought, oh, Lord. <laughs> and as things like that was happening, 
and we're moving to Branson, and we didn't know anybody here or anything about it. I'm shaving one day, and I'm thinking, Lord, you know, I'm saying anything out loud, but the Lord knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're thinking. <laughs> and he said, son, do you believe? Well, I, let me tell you a little bit more about it. Phyllis had been believing, uh, we'd been believing for houses for, what was it, 15 years? And finally had got a wonderful house. I mean, a, a miracle deal. We got it for a fraction of what it was worth and was able to fix some stuff up. She believed God. Some people came and handed her a bunch of cash for her to redo her kitchen. She had always wanted. She had just got it done. Just the way she wanted it. I mean, just. I mean, the news not wore off of it. She'd been talking about sub-zero refrigerators for 15 years. And all that stuff, and all that stainless stuff, and I'm telling you, supernatural. We didn't go in debt for it, didn't ask anybody for it. Somebody walked up to her, put the money in her hand, said, the Lord told me to do this so you could have this. And she did it. And now, just time you got it done, leave it, go to where? We went to a little rent house. (laughs) Yeah, that you had to go out in the garage and turn the water heater on and off and had a couple of issues and and the place we had there was nice oh it was nice it was oh nice pool tennis court yeah and uh, I'm standing there getting ready to go to Branson and the Lord said son he knows what you're thinking do you believe I'm able to do for you better than this? I thought, yes, I do. I straightened up a little bit. I said, yes, sir. Yes. I, he said, do you believe I can do? Because, you know, I'm, we're leaving that and we're leaving this and we're leaving the other. Do you believe I can do better than this for you? I said, yes, sir, I do. Then not long after that, he said, you obey me. And I'm giving you the best of Branson. Well, glory to God. It's taken a few years. But you're sitting in some of it. Right? We're living in some of it. We're so, oh, we're just on a whole nother level. Personally and ministerially and every way than we were then. But could you have held on? Could you have said, we worked hard to get this and we don't want to give up our security and we don't know anybody over there. What if nobody comes? What ifs will ruin your life? It's real simple. Wherever the master is, <laughs> that's where the disciples going to be. And if he says, I'm going here, you better jump right in and say, all right, here we go. If it's to the end of the world. Highest mountain, lowest valley, wherever it is, here we go. (laughs) To my staff's credit, every one of the people who were helping us on our staff left. They left their homes. A lot of them had just gotten homes themselves. They left their homes. They left their stuff. They came. They all moved in with each other. Little bitty apartments and stuff. For months and months and years, some of them. 
Are they glad they did it? Yeah. Are we glad we did it? Yes. Is any price you pay, was it too much? Don't even compare. Doesn't even compare with the glory of obeying God. Man, we've seen people get saved. We've seen people get filled with the Spirit. We've seen miracles. We've seen word senders rise up and send this word all over the globe on a level we weren't touching before. What's that worth? What if you'd been scared? What if you'd held on? How many want to be his disciple? Come on. How many want to be, hmm? Be his disciple. You in Romans 8? Romans 8, verse 29. It says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Think about what Jesus is right now. Think about what he is, who he is. He perfectly obeyed the Father. He laid himself down, spirit, soul, and body, in faith that God had raised him up, and he did. And he's raised him up, triumphing over death, hell, and the grave, and all of our sin. And he's raised him up, 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 giving him a name that's above every name that is named. And he sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. And the Bible calls him the first one of these. Oh, did you get that or not? He's not the only one of these. He's the first one of these. There are to be millions of them. Do you see it now? Did he foreknow you? Did he know you before you were born? Before you gave your heart to him? Well, because he foreknew you and knew that you would say yes. And knew that you'd receive him and believe on him. Because of that, before you were ever born, he predestinated you. To what? To be conformed to the master's image. To become just like him. Glory to God. Just like him. Somebody say just like him. Say it again just like him. Say it again just like him. Go to 1 John 3. Just like him. Wouldn't hurt you to go around all day saying that. Just like him. Just like him. Just like him. Are you there yet? No. I'm talking about just like him. (laughs) You're talking about 1 John 3. I got you. Are you there yet? Are you fully perfected, developed, just like him? You can say like Paul. No, no, I don't count myself to have already arrived at this, you know, perfection of development. But, but, but. I'm not sitting down. I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I'm not looking back. I'm looking ahead. I'm reaching. I'm pressing. I'm training like an Olympic athlete. I discipline myself like a highly trained soldier. I got to keep my mind under control. I got to keep my mouth under control. 
I got to keep my body under control. Got to keep my desires and feelings under control. Why? I'm becoming like the master. Think about it now. At the end of Jesus' earthly walk, he told his disciples, they said, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. What did he say? He said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Whew. What does that mean? What is our goal? Exactly the same thing. That if you have seen us, you have seen Jesus. If you've seen him, you've seen the Father. Why? Because we think like him. Because we act like him. We talk like him. We have faith like him. We pray like him. We obey like him. Is it possible? Yes. Yes. It's not just possible. It's what we're made for. We're predestinated to. It's our destiny. It's our future. It's what we're made for. It's why we exist. Not just to punch a clock. Not just to mow the grass. Not just to wash and dry clothes. We're made for this. This. Some of these things got to be done. But when it comes time to do things for him. They got to take a back seat. 1 John 3. We're making progress. 3.1. He said behold. Look at this. What manner of love. The father has bestowed upon us. That's when if you're from down south you go. "Mm, mm, mm." What manner of love. What manner of love? That we should be called sons of God. Wow. Therefore the world knows us not. They don't know who we are. If they did, they'd treat us different. (laughs) They don't know who we are because they didn't know him. When he came into the world, they didn't know who he was. How could they have scourged him and killed him like they did? If they had known who he was. Keep reading verse 2. Beloved. Now. Are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't see the fullness of it right now. But we know this. We know. That when he shall appear. We shall be like him. For we shall see him. As he is. Glory. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. If you got this hope in you that you are becoming and will eventually be just like him, you discipline yourself. You purify yourself. You keep yourself unspotted from the world. Why? I'm in training. I'm in training. I'm to be a witness. People are to see him when they see me. The less like him I am, it's bad for me. It means my witness is poor and weak. It's not okay. I got to reach and stretch and do what's necessary to be changed and conformed to become like him. Glory to God. When you see him as he is, That's how you become like him. And finally in 4.17. Just turn over to the fourth chapter. 
17th verse, he says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, I don't know if we've thought enough about that. In the day of judgment? When people are screaming for the mountains to fall on them and cover them from the face of him who's on the throne? You and I go stand upright and be bold? When other people are running and hiding and trying to die and scream and cover? We're going to stand up and be bold? Why? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as He is, so are we in this world. Stand on your feet. That's disciple talk. That's disciple. As He is, so are we in this world. Say it again. As He is, so are we in this world. Say it again. As He is, so am I in this world. Let's say it together. As He is, so am I in this world. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.